Hello, friends, and welcome to the Healing Ground Movement. Now, for more content and bonus features, you can join us on Facebook and Instagram. And remember, all of our content is delivered freely. So please consider supporting the show by donating via the link on our website at healinggroundmovement.com or liking and reviewing the podcast on your favorite platform. Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, today's episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. ButcherBox partners with people who are dedicated to doing the right thing, never cutting corners and always looking for ways to improve. Discover why they're the trusted source of high quality protein for families across the country. At ButcherBox, they believe in better. For them, that means caring about their animals and the planet, treating our planet with respect. It means improving the lives of animals and the livelihoods of farmers. And ultimately, it means better meals enjoyed together. The protein from ButcherBox is never given antibiotics or added hormones. It's humanely raised. Our family loves the convenience and quality and knowing that we are getting humanely raised and sustainably harvest protein. You can customize your box with the right amount of food and variety of meat to fit your family's individual needs. If you're interested in getting a special offer, go ahead and head to healinggroundmovement.com resources to follow the link for ButcherBox. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Healing Ground Movement podcast. I am your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, and with us today is a guest that I just can't stop talking with as we were just chatting before hitting record this morning. Sharon Saylor and I were, um, you know, wasting valuable conversation without the record button going. So I am so excited to introduce um, and include all of our listeners in these amazing conversations we get to have. Uh, Sharon is a communications and body language expert, affectionately dubbed the difficult people whisperer by her clients. She is listed as one of the top international experts in body language, according to the globalgurus.org. Today, we are chatting with Sharon for different reasons. She is also passionate about inspiring hope and help for those with autoimmune conditions. After her own frustrating experiences with a rare autoimmune condition, she now she's now on a mission to show others how to be courageous self-advocates so they too can turn life transitions into triumphs, which you know we are all about here at The Healing Ground. One way she accomplishes this, mis- this mission is with her popular podcast, The Autoimmune Hour. It can be found on all major outlets and at www.understandingautoimmune.com. And The Autoimmune Hour isn't just featuring autoimmune, but many stories in healing and um, you know, finding that trajectory of transitioning to triumph. I was lucky enough to be a guest on her podcast not all that long ago, and I'm so delighted to have Sharon with us here today. Sharon, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Carly. It's so much fun to see you again. I'm so excited. I feel like a kid in a candy store. (laughs) Well, it's just, I think we've had maybe four conversations at this point and every single one of them, it's a, hey, how you do? And then a really quick turn into a rabbit hole of just passionate discussion about health and wellness and patient advocacy. And I I am just so excited. (laughs) Kid and candy store both ways. Um, well, and what a fantastic um, bio! I had I had already forgotten that that you have that background in communication and body language, um, and and kind of being this expert in that interpersonal communication realm, which I think dovetails so beautifully into how you're talking about patients and clients and advocacy through these really different difficult health transitions, because so much of it actually has to do with how we communicate with ourselves and with others 
um, you know, our differing needs. So I'm going to put that little teaser pin right there, but I'm going to invite you to tell our listeners how you arrived at the autoimmune hour and all the work that you do for your clients. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. I actually have like two tracks to my life and for decades, I've been doing the communication work, the courageous communication work, confidence and all the juicy stuff around that. And that's, that's, was my main passion. <laughs> you know, you get me started on that and I'd run for hours. But the interesting happened in 2014. I, well, actually, let's take it back to 2013. I had a couple of weird blips in my health, but I just kind of, okay, that was weird. Like I got Bell's palsy and I was like, oh, well, okay, that's weird. It healed up in a few days and okay, on with life. Well, then it was in middle 2014. I'm on a road trip. I was a road warrior back then. Lots of corporate work flying in and out of places, you know, teaching groups of people things, all sorts of things from customer service skills to dealing with difficult clients and things like that. And I was a, woke up one morning after God getting in late and I woke up and I couldn't move my legs. Terrifying. <laughs> Because yeah. not only can you not move your legs, but you're out of town. It's like, what do I do? Who do I call? What's mm -hmm. going on? Finally forced myself to stand. And I do not suggest this, but I forced myself through that day's training and went to about my day. But by the end of the day, I noticed I had what I called hives on bits and pieces of my body. And then I actually, it was right before Memorial Weekend, I had friends down in that area and we got in a car and went on a drive and the hives on the side that was exposed to the sun got really bad. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how the weird sunburn, all these things happen. Within 24 hours, I was covered with hives from head to toe and really scared, went to ER. They told me they didn't know what it was. They didn't think it was life-threatening, but anyway, I got on a plane, flew home. <laughs> and a couple of days later, I had the opportunity to actually see my dermatologist who mentioned to me, you know, oh, you know, it was really weird how she mentioned it to me. It, it, you could tell it wasn't good just by her coming in the room. Hmm. into the room she looks at me she goes oh I forgot something but you know my spidey sense said mm, no <laughs> I mean we know that that's a really good trick of <laughs> I I forgot how to gather my thoughts and bring you more information <laughs> I just I forgot how I, I forgot not to look shocked and I see how bad you look <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so she comes in with another doctor uh, who I'd never met and he takes, he looks at me, doesn't say a thing. They don't even say like, so this is Dr. So-and-so, you know, it was so mm -hmm. weird. And, and my spidey sense is really getting a little annoyed at this time. They take my hands, look at my fingernails with a little like a loop is all I know how to call it. I don't know in medical terms what it is, but it's like a little magnifying glass. And he looks at the doctor, shakes his head yes, and walks out of the room. And I'm like, she goes, I'll be right back. And I'm like, Okay, by then, you know, I mean, the heart's racing, the blood pressure is getting high. And I mean, I'm, I'm starting to have other medical events happen. <laughs> blood pressure here. Yeah. She walks back into the room. And I could tell, not good, right? Mm -hmm. She shakes her head and she looks down and says, Oh, I am so sorry, Sharon. You have dermatomyositis. Well, Dr. Carly, I didn't know what that meant. Could have been anything, supercalifragilistic. Who knew what that? I mean, okay. 
Yeah. I mean, I knew it wasn't good, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm catastrophizing it because of the body language. Yeah. Because the word meant nothing to me. It's a whole bunch of Latin all strung together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, so anyway, she proceeds to tell me and all of the worst statistics, please, 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 all of, you know, oh, these horrible statistics. And I'm going out of there with very little hope, needing that I have to find a rheumatologist and all this sort of list of things to do that I don't know how to do. And my ears have gone closed halfway through this conversation. As I'm leaving, I ask the receptionist, how do you spell this? And of course, as I get on the elevator, who am I consulting but the dreadful Dr. Google? Everybody's got Dr. Google in their back pocket. (laughs) So fast forward, I find one of the top rheumatologists uh, and, and yet they and I could not communicate very well. It was like, two ships passing in the night it it was so frustrating it was pretty much shut up do what I say little lady and don't bother me with any of the details (laughs) well that didn't go over very well (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, yes a few visits in we mutually fired each other which was the best thing that ever happened Mm -hmm. and that was my point where I've had Beautiful medical doctors. This isn't bashing medical doctors. It's just specific ones that refuse to listen to exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. and who don't take the time to see you as a whole person, just check you off the box and, you know, that kind of thing. And I was so shocked during that time where it was a mutually firing each other. But it was also that moment where I walked out and I went, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you're so proud of yourself for doing something. I went, yes, <laughs> as I walked out of there. <laughs> and that was my freeing moment to say, Sharon, you've got to say in this, you've got to say in how this unfolds. Mm-hmm. You've got to take responsibility, you know, stop this white coat authority idea and find a team that you can talk to. And so I went home and telling family members and just saying my frustration. And one of them wonderfully said, well, you know, if somebody with all your training is so frustrated, what's the average person who's just got a diagnosis going through? Yes. That's where, that's where uh, the autoimmune hour came from. I just decided to throw myself in to understanding a, what's my diagnosis B what is autoimmune in general, and everything I could learn about it, mostly though at that time on the physical healing part of it, like how to, okay, how do I get my skin better? How do I get my muscle tone back? Things like that. Mm -hmm. What about my gut? All these sorts of very physical things. Mm -hmm. And so the show was born because mostly out of my frustration. And if I wanted to learn something, I'm just like this. I'm a lifelong learner. And if I want to learn something, I'm like, well, I can't be the only one that wants to know this. So why not record what I'm learning? <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, that harkens back to what the, the teachers always say. If you have a question, I'm sure one of your classmates has that question too. So ask it on their behalf. Right. But sometimes if I'm going to lean out and find these great experts. I don't want to keep it all to myself. Let's share <laughs> it with everybody. And maybe just maybe some little bit or part of it will help somebody. 
It's true. And I think, you know, um, the, the biggest light bulb and that I just want to share along with it is that idea that if you have all of this training in communication and, and body language and really kind of having that way to advocate at your fingertips, and it was still a Herculean challenge for you to arrive at this point of saying, you've got to say in this, you know, I, I think the same thing with myself is that I, jokingly, I became a doctor to understand my condition so that I could get it treated. And it feels like, you know, in so many areas, you have to be a professional in order to get adequate care. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. And, and that's something that, you know, that I know that you have taken to shining quite a light on to make sure that how we interact within the system, how we engage as patients starts to become um, a more, more of a bolstered experience instead of that white coat worship that you were experiencing yourself way back at the beginning. Oh, absolutely. I've gotten on this mission. Yes, I'm still an advocate for optimizing the physical body, diet and exercise. And yes, even with autoimmune, there are exercises. Sometimes they're as simple as just getting up and, you know, praising the world that you're standing that morning. I get there. You know, I get that. I've been there. But there are still the physical parts of it. But understanding the whole dynamic of the whole body and what happened early on, it's I still had those skills and I thought I was using them. But a few things were happening. First, I was somewhat intimidated. Mm -hmm. I was very scared. I mean, honestly, not to overdramatize this, but I, in the period where the process was raging at its fullest, I lost 60% of my skin. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. that was very painful. I got to the point, which is interesting, and I, I just applaud people with chronic conditions. I don't think anyone who hasn't gone through it can possibly understand. Sometimes you get to the point where you no longer feel pain. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but several times when the skin, it, it was to the point where people like, oh my, they were looking at me in such mm -hmm. shock and horror. That was painful to see, but Honestly, there were parts where the mind is, the soul is beautiful, and it kind of blocked that out. Yeah. The, it, it pain, was interesting. Pain is, yeah, pain is a productive signal. It's meant to move you away from something um, dissatisfying or dangerous in a way. And if the pain is within your own body and you can't escape it and you are, you know, by necessity and, and what's available to you, just having no other choice but to ignore it eventually it kind of gives up and gets quieter and quieter. And that's where we can't have a blanket pain tolerance across the board. I know this. What's your pain tolerance? How are you feeling today? Zero to 10. Mm -hmm. Well, after what I've been through, or, you know, I've had friends, kidney stones or birth mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. It's a very different number than I know. It's hard to get to 10 after that. Thank goodness. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I'm thinking, is that really a fair evaluation? Because mm -hmm. if you've been through it, your 10 is totally different than somebody's worst nightmare is a hangnail. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> so much of this is, you know, like, well, what have you been through? Yeah. But, that's the key thing for me is just understanding you have a say in it, but also when you're in that place of intense pain or, and, or fear and, or anger, you know, all of these emotions are coming up. Mm -hmm. I should have, I could have, I would have, they should have, they could have, they would, you know, all of these things. Cause I know now in hindsight, 
my autoimmune just didn't happen on that day in 2014. Mm-hmm. It had been coming a while with all my research. I realized it actually had been coming since I was 16. So it was like a very slow moving train, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but in hindsight and research, I realized that certain symptoms I had clear back in my teen years were mild symptoms of autoimmune conditions. And when we don't know what we don't know, it, it's it's hard to, I mean, that, that's a hard place of acceptance to to look at and see as well of knowing that you didn't know until you did. And, and the shouldas and couldas and would'ves of, of looking back in the, the rear view mirror of 2020, not the last year, 2020, but 2020 <laughs> vision. Uh, we all have a rear view mirror for 2020. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that that adds to that whole um, cocktail of scared and anger and pain and and all the what ifs for sure. And you don't communicate that well. You're communicating from a place of what I call situational anxiety with your doctor. You don't understand it. You're scared. Your family sometimes is reinforcing the anger and the scared and or guilt or heaven forbid blame. But you know, there's just so many inputs that when you're sick and you're in the throes of autoimmune. It's really hard to stand up for yourself and to communicate well. And so the show has taken some turn. We still talk about the physicalities of it, but so much in my well-being and my wellness and my thriving, regardless of my diagnosis now, has been from understanding past traumas, including the trauma of being told the diagnosis, and learning how to deal with those and recover from those traumas, take control of my life, and understanding that my doctors, and my team now especially, I love it. They will say, Sharon, I just don't know. Let's find out. What a wonderful place to be. Yes, we need more of that. It's okay that they don't know. Mm-hmm. You know I just want somebody in my corner, not that they have to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Maybe, some people may be different. Maybe they want somebody with all the answers. But I found that not everybody's answers are fit for everybody. Yeah. You know, it was very interesting. I was put on high dose, really powerful medications. And within four weeks, I started losing my hearing and got cataracts from one of the medications. And they went to the eye doctor when the sight got very blurry. And I'd seen them just six months prior. And they said, this is so weird. You have cataracts. And what are you doing? And I told them what had happened. And they said, oh, that medication does cause cataracts, but that takes years. I'm like, well, what do you, you know, (laughs) what do you you think I did this on purpose? I mean, you know, (laughs) that kind of like, well, that doesn't happen. Yeah, it was very frustrating. Yeah, and and it's interesting. So you know, and I I do want to clarify too because you said this, and I want to echo it. You know, this isn't about bashing medical doctors of any profession as as a global send off. You know, there's a lot of alternative providers as well, chiropractors and acupuncturists, massage therapists that can be just as guilty of all these things as well. But it's looking at that training when we turn to our helpers. And then we can have these helpers look back at us and say, yeah, nobody does what's sitting right in front of me. So it must not be true. Right. You right. as the patient are saying, like, so where do you think my six month cataracts came from? If it's not in the litter, there's a, we laugh because having gone through it, I mean, that's, you know, one way to cope, but also it feels ridiculous to sit here with the, I am evidence of otherwise, what are you going to do about it? 
And to have this provider just not be able to step outside of that, that white coat rigidness, so to speak. Right. And I'm not bashing medical, the medical professional and even the beginning parts that were a little more adventuresome mm-hmm. than I would have liked, a little more difficult than I would have liked. They saved my life. Absolutely. Mm. Could it have gone a lot more quickly and a lot more smoothly? For sure. And that was when I decided to take control of who do I work with best? Some people may like particular styles and that's great. But mine was finding my medical team that I work with best. And those for me were the ones that say, I don't know, but I'm in your corner. Let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like I said a moment ago, not everybody likes that style and that's okay. You know, if you like a different style, there are plenty of styles out there and understanding what works for you best. But using your internal gauge, like, hmm, am I comfortable to say what I need to say in front of this person? Or am I afraid that I'm going to feel like a shamed little five-year-old if I say, goodness sakes, you know, every time I take this, this happens? Or am I, am I feeling shame, blame, and guilt? Or am I feeling like I can share anything with this person? To me, is a real gauge on like, if you've got the right team member going with you. And I look at team members because if I don't play my part in this, no matter what they do, it's still going to be a negative outcome or a less than desirable outcome. Well, and I really love bringing up this take control. And I'm going to lift this back a little bit to working with um, some of that resolving of trauma of even, you know, how you first came to this diagnosis and even pathways that we learn about our health, our responsibility in our health. You know, we, we are all a product of these stories that we are taught throughout our lives. And so in this way, you know, resolving our traumas and and working through our past histories allows us to arrive at that place of taking control, of being a participant in our own care and movement forward. And that to me feels somewhat like the secret key to success, because at that moment, that's when you start working with and accumulating that team, because you are, you know, seeing what works for you and asking for it. But that's easier said than done for so many people. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I'm even putting up my hand, even with my training. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Okay. For everybody. We, I I think it's, I think it is a rare person that this coming to terms and self-reflection is not part of the recovery process. To me, it has to be in all of the people that I've interviewed, I've got over 360 interviews and uh, the people I've interviewed Taking time and taking control of your own health. Even look, before this, I thought I was living healthy. I was having salads at airports, so I had to be eating healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Wrong, wrong. So, I mean, getting real with yourself, it's not easy. I'm not saying it, it's easy. It's taken me, I've had my diagnosis since 2014. So, you know, I've been working on it a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the interesting thing to me was when I started to understand past trauma and how it played into just the way we talk to ourselves and the things we believe about ourselves. I, I had to ask myself, do, do I believe I'm capable of recovering my health? I mean, simple, basic questions like that, that you have to sometimes really sit with yourself mm-hmm. and ask these, or, you know, like, well, that's a silly question, Sharon, of course. Well, but do I really want to get well? Or is there a secondary gain in me 
being sick because now maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I had a, a wonderful interview with a person and they were talking about certain problems they had in their life. And when they stopped and asked themselves that question, they realized they got out of doing the housework because of it. Well, that's fine. I mean, I'm not, you know, I mean, that's the way our bodies are. That's the way our minds are. Sometimes we do these secondary gains. Mm-hmm. But once they came to that realization, it was they had some time to sit with themselves, do some work uh, with themselves on that level of, okay, why is that a need? Mm-hmm. Why is that a need? And what what will you gain from keeping that way? And what will you gain from releasing that? Those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And so to me, it was really powerful. And as well as the work of like Sarah Payton has been on the show. Dr. David Clark has been on the show. We've had numerous people that talk about traumas and understanding sometimes when we get diagnosis like this, we can also get stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. And so there again, our systems aren't on all the best on full thrusters if we're stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. So there's so many levels to this, Dr. Carly. (laughs) Well, I think of it like, you know, anything in health, you know, we can talk about getting on that exercise program, changing your diet, um, doing your gratitude list, all of these shoulds, you know, that Mm -hmm. you and I were talking about before we hit record. There are, as opposed to when we were both starting our our health journeys, um, you know, back in the early aughts. As opposed to then, there is now such a wealth of easy access to all of these um, different ways of looking at health and our t- alternative resources and protocols. Like it, there's almost too many, you know, you could spend your lifetime digging through them. If it were as simple as applying that and just being done, mm-hmm. you know, we would have so many fewer um, obstacles to health. So, so much less chronic disease if it was just, yes, ah, here's your protocol, go do it. And we know that humans are fantastically more complicated than that. You know, we we exist in this world where, yes, we do have secondary gains based on the person we have grown into in this moment. You know, whether that is the person who is dealing with a chronic disease um, or dysfunction, or whether that's someone who has put themselves in the hero position, you know, that they get to take care of people with um, chronic disease. There are secondary gains to that. When we go to start changing the dynamic of how we want to be in the world, and, and for the purpose of the, this podcast, it's in, in the name of health, we have to come up against what part of my life am I setting down to pick up something new? And do I really believe that exchange is worth it? Or do I have to work on that math problem a little bit longer to make the equation balance? Absolutely excellent points, for sure, because understanding the dynamics beneath the um, mental, emotional, spiritual part of getting well or choosing your life and how you want it to be. That's not, that's not easy. (laughs) I mean, not that the physical part is easy either. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to sound like, oh my goodness, she just added 75% more to the dynamics. (laughs) (laughs) But just encouraging people to consider consider are there parts where there might be some resistance and resistance can take the shape of no I don't want to with a little little five-year-old foot stamp or just fear anxiety um, any types of things you know it 
it's just not done in my family or, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing mm-hmm. to me, the different dynamics and they're unique to each of us. And so sometimes I find that talking about them with friends, so, because amazingly, my friends often see things that I don't see about myself. They'll go, well, I'll say something that I think is quite profound that I just found in a meditation or, you know, in my own personal meditation that had an aha moment. And I go, uh, well, duh, Sharon. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, we gotta love them for that too. Just like the whole, that the little mirror and reflect it back. It's like, oh, cause I've been thinking that about you for years. Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Exactly. I love those. Those are the friends we need. I mean, of course, I have beautiful friends that will say, no, those pants don't make you look fat regardless. (laughs) And those are great friends, too. I want those too. But those that just are able to talk to us about what they see as well, that Mm -hmm. might be their version. It may not be any truer than your version. Mm -hmm. But to me, it never hurts to get some input from trusted advisors that either can be in your medical team or not in your medical team. Yeah, I think you bring up a really great point that a really important component of your team is having a community that's going to support you and going to listen with you critically as you weigh through your options, your diagnoses, your protocols, your fears um, to help you navigate through because it's just so much to hold on your own and to have to keep that fearless inventory of yourself going uh, nonstop without any help, it just gets exhausting on top of, you know, just trying to survive with some of these diagnoses. Oh, it does get exhausting. I remember when I got my first food sensitivities back, which I knew I had, I just hadn't quantified them or figured out what exactly mm-hmm. components of this is happening, but I could tell I was having food sensitivities. And then you get the the can't eats and the should eats and they don't match like well but I like all of the cans and I don't <laughs> want to eat the cans and yeah that that too was learning a whole new dynamics mm-hmm. but the payoff has been so huge and I know this is gonna sound weird but in a weird way the lockdown and zoom I started cooking with friends over zoom and it was fun it was easy yeah. and it got me to a place where sticking to and understanding why this particular regimen of food right now, because it's changed, it adds, guys, it doesn't always stay the same. It's been, I've been able to add to it the healthier and healthier I've gotten. But, you know, being able to share that with friends instead of getting the, oh, it's just one little cookie, it won't hurt, being able to share that with friends. And I, like I've said, I found cooking with friends over Zoom. We both prop our laptops up in the kitchen and, you know, chopping away at the broccoli or whatever. And it's nice. It's nice. I think those circumstances, that context really helps too. I um, I got to do my own dance with long COVID and, and having um, leaky gut, which so much of long COVID is now being leaked to vagus nerve and gut issues. Um, and so I got to a food sensitivity diet of a restriction of just like anything that brings you joy or even a little happiness, just take it out of your diet. And <laughs> I love those. And they expect and, that whoever tells you that expects you to be okay with it. <laughs> but the fact that it was during lockdown, it's like, well, can't go out to eat. Like it was the perfect time to just be in this container and with my supportive family where no one was going to try and, you know, slip me that cookie because it was okay. 
um, it made it easier to do than any other time. So it just, it brings up the, the importance of context and, you know, the uphill that you're trying to charge while trying to implement these things in your life. And if you're trying to charge uphill against a, a social group that wants to eat out at all of the richest and most complicated saucy restaurants in the world, it's going to be very hard to keep to a very simple diet for your health. Um, so it's really fantastic point to illustrate that. Um, what I want to kind of draw us to then is with this idea that, you know, you've got to say in your care and taking control of this, some of these situational anxieties, like, you know, going out to eat and, and, and resolving some of these traumas back, how does this help um, us work against this really pervasive, I'm going to sound really jaded if I say strategy, but it's the word that comes to mind. I don't think it's calculated, but I just think it's the way our disease management system has gone, has arrived, where there's a lot of gaslighting in our disease management system. And I, I've been choosing to say disease management over healthcare because at some point that's really what we've, we've started to do is just manage our diseases. Where can we start to recognize and make changes in that sort of cultural norm about, oh, it can't be that bad. You can't have that ca those cataracts. It's supposed to take years to develop. You know, these are all really casual forms of gaslighting that we as patients have to not be okay with, but be ready to, to contend with. Absolutely. And I don't know how casual they are. To me, they were quite shocking. <laughs> so I mean, they really set me back on my heels to have to deal with someone who said, but that can't be happening. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the discussions, I think it's important to have the discussion with yourself and your family and friends, the people, you know, you, the, the safe people in your world. Mm -hmm. What do you want your life to be like? Mm. With the medications that I was on, I had a whole series of, I'll put air quotes, side effects but at a certain point, they got so bad that they became sim other symptoms. Mm -hmm. My eyesight got much worse. I was losing my hearing. One medication caused my short-term memory to disappear. And I know this sounds weird, but I made a chart of all of the symptoms, including the ones that had been recent. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't always sure it was the medication. It could just be a transformation. Many people with one autoimmune end up with more than one. So it could just be a transformation, but I, and so I know this sounds weird, but I made a list of prioritizing them. Which can I live with and which do I, you know, which do I want to change oh. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. I know that sounds weird, but there were a couple from the actual diagnosis that I was more comfortable with than I was with the side effect of the medication. Mm -hmm. I would really rather have the muscle weakness than the short-term memory loss. Now I know some other people might make a different, different decision. This is all very, very personal decisions. But for me, that helped get me clear on who and how is this wellness, this journey from here to getting where I want to be optimized and well as I can possibly be going to happen. Mm -hmm. Because to me, the short-term memory loss, I couldn't work. There were so many things that I couldn't do. I was doing all sorts the fear that, oh my gosh, is this going to be permanent? All sorts of things. That was just one that I couldn't do. Yeah. And so I had to have the talk with the medical professional that I thought where this was coming from and have that discussion. And yes, I was gaslighted. I was like, no, that's not part of the side effects. 
And they sent me for an Alzheimer's test, but I went because I needed to know. Yeah. And I, I got 29 out of the 30 questions. And I argued the 30th question that there was a misplaced comma. And he gave me the 30th question because I argued the misplaced comma. But it's to me understanding what's important to you and your family and how you want to live that not everybody is going to agree with. So you have to have people on your team that like, I don't agree. This is why I don't agree. And yet still be willing to walk you through the process. And to me, it all comes down to me to make sure that I do what is right for me in that process. The problem is I early on, I started saying, and I know this was not the appropriate thing, but, you know, it started to be like, I was dermatomyositis. I, I started, it started becoming sort of my identity. The first thing people knew about me was, oh, she's sick. Or, oh, you know, this or that. Or if they knew the word, they would say that word, that type of thing. And I even was at a couple of medical uh, community, communities where dermatomyositis, dermatomyositis is quite rare. And it almost became a dog and pony show. Can we bring in the interns to see what it looks like so they'll know next time they see it kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And so it really ends up as part of who you are, which is not a good place to be because I started to think about it. I used to spend a lot of time pre-pandemic, hope to again <laughs> in Florida. And this is not a bash of Florida, but they have a lot of bugs and creatures in their homes that mm -hmm. just happen because it's more tropical than where yeah. I normally live in the Pacific Northwest that we don't have in our homes. And so here, if we had those in our homes, she would be like a bad housekeeper. And so it's sort of a bad, you know, bad thing in my mind growing up that you don't have all these creepy crawlies in your home like you do in a tropical environment. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about, okay, when the, the exterminator comes to the house and says, well, you have cockroaches. Well, Okay, but that doesn't mean I own them, nor do I want to keep them. <laughs> it means, okay, thank you. Now get rid of them, right? That what word have. So great. Go on. I'm sorry. I just love this. Well, that word have is very important to understand how yeah. I, where I filed it away. It was like, okay, now get rid of it, <laughs> right? Not but, owning it. Yeah. Don't name the cockroaches. <laughs> I heard you have dermatomyositis somehow from white coat authority, and it wasn't their fault. It's my brain that went. Oh, that's who I am mm -hmm. now. And what does that mean? And then you go to the beautiful Dr. Google that, and the terrible stats and everything else that scares the bejesus out of you. And you're like, all of a sudden, you have to start sorting out. That's not me. That's not my identity. Mm -hmm. I don't want to keep that and work to put it over with the cockroaches <laughs> and not in who you are. Yes. I love and, and what that does is that this comes beautifully full circle to what you're talking about with your um undesired effects, the so-called side effects, the other symptoms of medication, is that I think in this cultural norm around what it is to be diseased in some way, is that it's it's a little bit of a scarlet letter. It's a little bit of a less than. So once you have become less than, it is easier to become even more less than with more diagnoses. And so you are sick. So it makes more sense that you are actually in fact becoming sicker with Alzheimer's and other diagnoses instead of having symptoms from medication. 
even though all of these symptoms from medication are thoroughly documented, some of them may only be, you know, the 1% who gets it. But if you're the 1%, that that's why the statistic exists, not to deny you that position as that 1%, having been somebody who has had that kind of a reaction to medication. And we got a hand raised from Sharon there too. And so it is stepping outside of this. I am sick. You know, make that word sick, you know, your specific diagnosis, however it's candid to you. It's not, I am sick and will get sicker and am destined to have a laundry list of diagnoses and a cupboard full of pills. It's, I have something I am working on. And I love what you did. And I wish more people were encouraged to do this by their providers, which to sit down with your medications and come up with the symptoms that are yours as you know them and the symptoms, not that you are, but that you have. You're experiencing. Um, you experience and the symptoms that come from the medication and make that personal choice. Make that personal choice about what is actually going to improve your quality of life versus doing what should be done based on protocol for this diagnosis. It's a very different way of being. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can I hear an amen from that? Yes. Yes. (laughs) It is so important. And yet it's a difficult conversation to have. A, the, the medical provider may not have the time. You know, nowadays you get what, seven to 10 minutes? Five to seven now. Oh, goodness sakes. Well, <laughs> and sometimes your appointment is six weeks out, 10 weeks out, 12 weeks out. It's, it's um, really difficult times right now. But I say, write it down, make a list, keep it very clear, keep a journal. And mm-hmm. I know that sounds, oh, people are like, oh, but really, work. I, try, I thought I would remember. I don't. I, mm-hmm. I, I just don't. It, sometimes it's easier not to remember some of the little foibles that happen while you're in the recovery mode. Um, it's just, so write a list. And if your medical provider is open to it, have that conversation and, and they appreciate if it's on paper and on a list and you could say, mm-hmm. these are the symptoms or the things that are happening. And this is how I know that. And how you know that may be an inaccurate diagnosis and an inaccurate mm-hmm. thought, but that's okay. You can have an adult conversation over it instead yes, you of you don't have to be perfect all the time. Right. And neither do they. And, yes. neither do they. and that's the thing. If you don't, can't have that conversation with the current medical provider, I suggest finding someone else who can, who is willing to have that conversation with you early on. I had a few where it was difficult, but I kept with them. And then slowly but surely, I found people that were better for me, mm-hmm. that hear the way I talk, see that I wasn't hysterical. By the way, if I could just add a couple of body language points in here. When you have this list and you forewarn your medical professional that you want to have a talk, this isn't just about a quick blood pressure check or whatever, that you need a length of time. And they need to schedule it in that they have this length of time to have a real talk. And yes, it might cost more, but guys, it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. That you want to have a conversation. And then what you want to do is prepare yourself for that conversation. And the first step is be well hydrated. I know that sounds weird, but you think better when you're well hydrated. Oh, true. And breathe. 
instead of going in there like, oh no, I have to talk to the doctor. Oh no, I have to. Oh, breathe. You know what you need. You have it on a piece of paper. You've talked with your trusted family and friends. You're ready for this conversation because the appointment's been prepared. As if you're going for some sort of interview or job interview or whatever it is, just breathe. You'll feel so much more comfortable. And so will the person on the other side of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And the gaslighting will be much less because they can't say you're hysterical because you're breathing fine. You're comfortable. There's no fight or flight kicking in. The anxiety is under control. And state your point. Mm -hmm. And then if, you know, sometimes people on the other side have a hard time saying they don't know. Bring it up. If you don't know, that's okay. I, I'm not expecting an answer today. I just needed to say it. I love that. I think um, that is such a gentle reminder in a way that doesn't point fingers that doctors are humans. We only know what we have been trained to know. You know, I am an expert in my field. Doctors, medical doctors aren't an expert in pharmaceutical and surgical nutritionists are experts in nutrition. If you're asking someone to think outside of that box of training, it's going to go to the very edge of what they know. And sometimes because of how we are put through the ringer to get through this education, that is a quick stamp of failure because, you know, we are constant competition to know everything saying in a, in your own way of permission of it's okay. If you don't know, I just want to figure this out is so kind and not that you should have to be in that position as a patient, but also this is the game we are in. <laughs> I think we're, I think we're, all, we need to all be adults in the room. Yeah. And even with, especially with autoimmune, I, I shouldn't say even with, but especially with autoimmune in my mind, but that's my only frame of focus. I don't mm -hmm. have other conditions, although I've interviewed people with cancer and stuff, and it seems to be similar. Um, I can't speak from that standpoint, but from the I'll standpoint throw, of I'll throw for non-neurotypical, but that's oh, okay. That we push to the edge of that real quick. Oh yes, oh yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing: is understanding yourself mm -hmm. and letting them know. Now, I'll bring it, Dr. Carly. Mm -hmm. How many of the doctors that you started with really had a deep understanding of what non-neurotypical was? <sighs> Probably very <laughs> yeah. limited. I didn't. I didn't find my first real serious diagnosis until I was 27 years old, and I had been looking all that while. <laughs> yeah, and that's. I find that's really common. And with my dermatomyositis, it's rare. And mm -hmm. so even the rheumatologist were going more on general rheumatology healing principles than they were on how do we recover from dermatomyositis. Mm -hmm. I did not know that at first, but understanding that my first couple of experts were experts in rheumatology, not in dermatomyositis. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have to give myself and everybody else on this journey with me space and grace. It's it's been a learning process. And I think the critical thing for me is not accepting this, you're crazy. I'm mm -hmm. tired of hearing women your age, which may or may not be true, but please don't say it. Um, hearing things like that doesn't happen. Um, not accepting that 
it could be, you know, it could be emotional. Uh, I, I've been told, you know, oh, you're just having an anxiety attack. Well, of course I am. Um, I'll just make something up here. You know, of course I am. I'm uh, losing my hair and, you know, mm-hmm. I can't sleep at night. I haven't slept for two weeks. You know, well, I, you know, maybe that moment of anxiety, there's a basis in truth about it, but being diminished by someone, oh, you're just having an anxiety attack. Like you can click your fingers and get over it. Mm-hmm. They don't take into account that you haven't slept well in a month because of the pain. Yeah. yeah so I'm giving space and grace, but yeah, I actually, I'm really, I'm really glad that you called back on that and said that, yes, we all need to be adults in the room. I realize, you know, we, we get to step into our own bias and expectations in in conversation here that, you know, I was in saying that it's unfair as a patient that you should need to do that. You know, that was, that was me still holding up in an old style and, and even holding up what the expectations for me as a doctor are, which is that, we are supposed to be on some kind of pedestal and the way that the rest of our conversation and the conversations I've had on my podcast, and I'm very sure the pod, on your podcast is, is when we are all adults in the room and we all have responsibility for what we know and what we don't know, that's, that's the team. We're using the word team, not the word hierarchy in some way. We all need to play together. So Sharon, I really want to thank you for calling that back. And instead of having a why me moment, it's a bit more about what's the dynamic that's going to win. And the dynamic that's going to win is that we are all just adults and humans in the room. We know what we know, and we all have the opportunity to learn more. Absolutely. But I want to say there's nothing wrong with an occasional why me, why me moment. We all have them. <laughs> yes. It's just a matter of how fast you move through them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> learn on the other side <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm sometimes a fan of a why me moment um, <laughs> something happens unexpected and I'm of course why not? you know sometimes my friends have gotten to the point of why not you Sharon um, <laughs> but, because I too am the one in a million you know mm-hmm. I, I told you previously about a test I took that took me down for six weeks, which most people take the test and they don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a definitely, okay, great. Why me moment? Mm-hmm. But I thought about myself through that, through those moments. Mm-hmm. That's the key, how we talk to ourselves and talking to ourselves with great care. And sometimes you talk to yourself as if you are that scared five-year-old because you are okay mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and I like to use my name Sarah Payton taught me that it's like it's okay Sharon yeah it's okay you'll be okay you've gotten through things like this before it'll be okay yeah now I know that sounds kind of people are like whoa but try talking to yourself mm-hmm. as you would talk to you know your your child or your grandchild and you'll be amazed that the body the body likes to hear it. Yeah. This would be, be kinder to ourselves that, you know, they have so much in pop culture these days or in pop science about, um, you know, if, if we talk to our friends, the way we talk to ourselves, you know, nobody would want to be around us and, and changing that script towards kindness can go such a long way. Um, Sharon, we could just keep talking for hours. I know. I can't believe an hour has already gone by. I uh, thank you so much for coming and sharing all of your personal experience, um, your hard-won wisdom through um, your interviews and your own trials. I, 
can you tell us again, we'll have all this down in the show notes. Can you tell us again where our listeners can hear more from you and more of your interviews? Oh, well, thank you so much. The best place would be understandingautoimmune.com. You can find all of the previous episodes there, as well as can go over to every Friday night at 7 p.m. We have a brand new episode drop on Ohm Times Radio. And then after that, it goes out to iTunes, you know, all the big names. Um, and you can find it anywhere just looking for the autoimmune hour and or understanding autoimmune and join us over at Facebook, which is understanding autoimmune as well. We have a great community there where we share lots of uplifting quotes and ideas, and we have uh, links to the shows, things like that. And I just really want to encourage everyone, not only giving others space and grace, including our medical professionals, because I don't think for the majority of people I've met on this eight-year journey now that I think do the math, um, that, you know, the majority wasn't malicious. Mm -hmm. it, it was just from other things, and including myself. And just, kind, as you said, kindness, space, and grace, and trying to optimize a little bit every day. It, there is no silver bullet. Nobody's going to offer you something that, you know, all of a sudden they're snap their fingers and it all goes away. That's not how this works. That's not how the body heals, even oh. if it's not autoimmune. So giving yourself and others just space and grace to do the best that they can. And if you do feel that someone's gaslighting you, find someone else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's no reason that you can't find, you know, just say thank you very much. That won't work for me and just move on. Yeah, yeah. It's all fantastic advice and, you know, done in such simple doses of care and love for ourselves and for our community, which, you know, when it comes down to it, I can't think of something that would be more powerful to help move us all forward and move us in our individual journeys. So Sharon, thank you again. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in for this week's episode. Um, as always, I hope there is a nugget that you can take away and start applying in your everyday life. Um, even if it's starting to look at this conversation with yourself of how do you take control of where your health is and what does the exchange of moving forward look like for you? It will inform all of your future decisions, I promise you, and bring a lot more satisfaction to your interactions. So until next time, be well, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and got a little something out of it to help you on your journey to health. Please, if you're inclined, share this podcast with a friend so we can help more people lead healthier lives. Now remember, the information expressed in these interviews is for informational and not diagnostic or treatment purposes. However, I hope you find that having the right information and resources can go a long way to helping you on your healthcare journey. Ask the right questions and seek out professional health. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Healing Ground Movement Podcast. Be well.